Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and you hear from me, Emily Hanson Curran, as I preach from the lectionary, which was Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. does the call of God look like? When was the last time you felt called by God to do something? I find it a very scary idea to consider because it's something that's been used and abused to amass power and do some really abusive and hurtful acts. But it's also brought about some of the greatest stories we have, like Joan of Arc or Moses and the burning bush. And part of me wanted to just turn this into like a moth storytelling hour with the prompt. But just when I had resolved to do it, God called me to. I still think it's a good idea, so we'll save it for another time. But it was Joseph's call and his yes that caught my imagination this week. So I thought we'd put ourselves there this morning in the place of Joseph. I know he's not the most popular character in this story, uh, especially when there's a strong female lead, but uh, that's not what we get in Matthew on this final Sunday before Christmas. So to Joseph's story we go. But part of understanding Matthew's story of Joseph's birth and his call is comparing it with Luke's. So in Luke, we're given this great story of a young female hero. She's terrified. She doesn't understand how this angel could possibly be telling her that she would be pregnant because she's a virgin, but she says yes nonetheless. She then sings this epic song about the hand of God and God's sweeping justice through the land. It's a story of bravery and courage and saying yes to the call of God. And it's one of the few Bible stories where a woman is considered with greatness. And yet in this Lucan version of the story, we miss some of the grit, some of those real life questions and consequences that come up for a miracle event such as this. Luke's version has other considerations at play, and it glosses over some of the social implications and consequences of this story, leaving out a few particular hardships. Matthew's version of the story is much different. It's short. We just read the whole thing. It's to the point, and it mostly focuses on a character named just twice in Luke's version of this same story. Though however lacking in flair the story may be, Joseph does say yes to this same scandal that Mary does. And his yes is not to be missed. Because Joseph's yes is an act of hope. An act of hope that allowed God to enter the world. So we're told that Joseph discovers Mary is pregnant, but before they had been together. We're not told anything about this discovery, but that she was found to be with child. Yikes. She was found. Nobody wants to be found out in a situation like this. You might want to share this good news with your friends. You might want to discover this about someone, but you don't want to be found. And given what we're told in the next few lines, it certainly was not a happy discovery. Like, did a friend tell him? Did he find out because he saw her body changing? Or did Mary come to him and tell him herself? I wonder if they had moments of distrust in there. But we're told that he was a righteous man, so we could be sure that his preference was to live according to the Jewish law. 
This discovery then puts him in a very difficult position. If he lets this go, Mary runs the risk of severe social punishment and perhaps death. But if he marries her and goes ahead with their betrothal, he fathers a child that isn't his and runs the risk of social shame or worse. But Joseph's righteousness appears to not just be about the law. It appears that his righteousness has something to do with compassion. And so, unwilling to disgrace her publicly, he decides to quietly dismiss her. We're not told much more about this dismissal, but it's likely it would have been equivalent to a divorce, as betrothal at this time would have already accompanied a public ceremony. So put yourself with Joseph in this. Wrestling inside yourself with two very bad options ahead of you. And that's when we're told Joseph makes up his mind. He was resolved. He made a firm decision. Resolve, as you all know, is always hard fought. It's those moments when we've decided to move our family across the country for the possibility of more income or for family. When we decide to change our diet or to start working out, we decide to stay in a relationship or not. Basically trying on any new habit or practice, these things take resolve. But the thing about resolve is that the need for it comes because our current state is untenable and we see a glimmer of what else could be. But then just as Joseph is resolved, and not a moment before, which I find so funny, he's visited by an angel in a dream who upends the whole thing. He's greeted with that standard, do not be afraid. But this time it's not, do not be afraid as if the angel were frightening. It's do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Do not be afraid to do the very thing you fear the most. The angel recognizes that Joseph's in a tough spot. He's afraid and likely a little bit lonely in this decision, and the angel steps into that fear and gives him another option. God, I wish that would happen more often. <laughs> but what I love about this story is that this vision of this new truth comes by way of a dream. And that Joseph then wakes from this dream and changes his mind from the very thing he had just resolved to do. He says, yes. So first, I mean, I love the idea that we would be spoken to God in our dreams. That there's a possibility that God speaks through us, to us, through our dreams. That is, I believe that sometimes we know something because we dreamed it. Or we know something more fully or with greater clarity because we understood it in our dreaming lives. But also, I get very excited when people make wild decisions. I am 100% for that quick weekend trip out of the country or that harebrained idea to sell everything and move. And so I love that Joseph wakes from this dream and is down to do something wild, something he explicitly decided not to do. Saying yes to marrying Mary was not on the table for him prior to this dream. Marrying Mary would be too scandalous. It would jeopardize his place in society, his dreams for his life, his identity. It would cause him to reorder what he knew about the world, about what is just and good and what was to be feared in this life. A yes would mean that he would have to stand alongside what was scandalous, what was shameful and forego his own reputation. 
Joseph knew all of these possible consequences, and yet he says yes. So why does he do it? I think he does it, as we all do, because of hope. But not the kind of hope that's full of optimism. A different kind of hope altogether. I'll say more. I was on a call this week with a bunch of folks who are starting uh, progressive Christian communities around the country. And the author Brian McLaren was on that call as the special guest. And after listening to a bunch of us share about our communities and some of the things we're struggling with, he was asked to share some thoughts. And so he shared with us this line from the, uh, the political dissident and former president of the Czech Republic, Václav Havel. In Havel's book, uh, Disturbing the Peace, and in a chapter on the politics of hope, Havel said this, that hope is not the same as optimism. It is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out. Hope is not optimism. It's not the whitewashed dream of what could be, but the hard day-to-day -day work we do with the conviction that some things are worth doing no matter the outcome. Joseph decided to act with this kind of hope. He said yes to something with the conviction that it was worth doing, though he could not understand the outcome. Hope is work. I think we do this work in all kinds of ways. We do it by showing up here on Sundays, we, by participating in any kind of community. We do it whenever we place the value of something over its possible outcome, and then we take action. But there's something else in the story that it's, I think is worth considering, and that is, what does the call of God look like? How might it look in our lives? Joseph is told what will be the outcome of his hope. But between this terrifying circumstance that he's currently in and the potential son of his, this Emmanuel, Jesus who will save, is a massive gap. And what is needed to step into that gap? What is the first step in? Joseph is told to marry this woman, to do the thing right in front of him, albeit a very difficult and troubling thing. The poet David White wrote this line in his, his poem, True Blood. And how we are all preparing for that abrupt waking and that calling, and that moment we have to say yes, except it will come not so grandly, so biblically, but more subtly, and intimately in the face of the one you know you have to love. I think it's safe to say that it's biblical to do some wild stuff, to answer some wild calls of God. Our own yes might feel scary, and it might require us to speak up, to step up. It might cause scandal. But we will know the first step in the face of our neighbor. That first step into our yes will draw us into messy places, deeper into the reality of another's life, and deeper into love. And when we answer the call of God with our yes, and we act out of the work of hope, we open doors for God to enter, for God to be Emmanuel, God with us. 
And yes, of course, I do mean to refer to our individual lives and the hope that we carry about. But I also mean to refer to that capital H kind of hope. I think it's true that in order to bring about the reign of God, we will be called to some scandalous places, to places that cause us to question what is good and what is right, to question the very systems by which we have lived our lives, that will cause us to reorder what we know about the world. In short, to come to some uncomfortable places. But our yes to enter those spaces is the work of hope, one that builds a world in which God enters. Christ entered the world by a miracle. But before that miracle, he entered by one human's yes. We don't just look with hope. We live in and by it. Thank you.